0: Today's episode is brought to you by Sundays for Dogs. Your dog deserves tasty, healthy, real food, not kibble. Sundays is real food for dogs, formulated by a vet with only the highest quality fresh meat, veggies, fruit and superfoods, then simply air dried to perfection. Made in the USA at a USDA human food facility. It's customized for your dog's size, breed and activity level. It's real, raw, whole food ingredients. Air-dried for superior nutrition, taste and convenience. It's quality ingredients for maximum health. For our American friends, the plan starts at less than $2 a day and Sundays for Dogs is shipping to the UK too. You'll notice increased excitement about eating, better stools, far more energy, improved weight, an easy to maintain weight, a softer and shinier coat. Take a quick quiz to find out the right plan for your pup. And the best part is this. Get 35% off your first order with the promo code DOGSLIFE. Yes, that's 35% off with the promo code DOGS LIFE. So go to sundaysfordogs.com. That's sundaysfordogs.com. that you and Gremlin haven't always seen eye to eye, but you've worked out your differences and secretly, I know your best mates. That's why we're jumping on Zoom all the way over to Canada to speak to Zazie Todd about her new book that is called *Purr*, and it's the science of making your cat happy. I'm Anna Webb, welcome to A Dog's Life. Zazie, I'm so honoured that you're back on a dog's life. Thank you. I'm so thrilled to be back and chat with you again. Well, you know, it's really great because this time, this is actually a percast, isn't it, Zazie? I love that word. I love that way of putting it. I think that's wonderful. And yes, definitely a pur cast. Because you were really kind and sent me, I, I feel very honoured about this because it says on the cover of your new book called Pur that Gremlin, my cat and myself received an advanced reader's copy. Mm. So there. <laughs> <laughs> I've been dipping in and reading this this book, which is called "Per the Science of Making Your Cat Happy." And this follows; it's like a kind of sequel, isn't it, to "Wag," which was the science of making your dog happy, which we chatted about probably longer ago than I'd like to think, to be honest, Azzi. I think about two years ago. No, so a while ago, anyway. <laughs> Yes, yeah, No. I know, gosh, and I love that. But, you know, with WAG, obviously it wasn't all new to me, really, you know, brilliantly written, a really great book for any dog parent to have. But with PUR, you know, it's made me really feel I've been a bit remiss, actually, in reading this, because I've learnt so much about cats, Zazie.
1: That's wonderful. And, you know, I don't think anyone has been remiss at all, especially not you, because the thing is that we've learned so much more about cats than we used to know. And the way that we think about cats has really changed. So a lot of these things, they are very new and they're new things that people should try. And no one should worry if they haven't tried them before because we didn't used to know this stuff.
0: No, it's interesting, isn't it, in terms of, well, their attachment, for one thing, because people always thought, Well, I was told, for example, that cats bond with their territory, but not to their humans.
1: Yeah, that's right. And I think territory is very important to cats, but we've for a long time had these Stereotypes in many cases about cats not caring about people, but I think so long as they have been well socialized as kittens, and it would be completely different if they hadn't been, but so long as they have been socialized as kittens, then they do bond with their people and we can see that in different kinds of ways and one of them would just be the way that your cat chooses to spend time near you and not everybody has a lap cat but if even if you don't have a lap cat if they're just deciding to be near you in the same room or on the settee with you next to you that's still choosing to be close to you and that's one of the signs that they have a good bond with you and I think that's really important for people to know actually they're not just with us for the food (laughs) which is one of those stereotypes people have and when you understand that they do like to be with us um, I think that makes a a difference to how we perceive them and there is some there is some research from using attachment that's similar to what's been done with dogs before and with human infants and in some ways it's not as clear-cut but I think it depends a bit but some of the research does show that for some cats being close to their owner does show some signs of an attachment bond similar to a dog with a person or an infant
0: with their with their parent. Now it's really interesting um you know, because well, well, my experience with cats is, is just Gremlin, you know, my, my 12-year-old uh, street cat that chose us, which I thought was extraordinary until I learnt it's quite common with cats that they might start off somewhere and then they end up living somewhere completely different, he, which is really, really strange. And he just decided one Monday lunchtime, I remember it so well, I heard this massive hullabaloo going on in the garden with my first uh, miniature terrier, Molly. So um, I ran out to see what was going on. I assumed it was the neighbour's cat dangling its tail off the flat roof next door, which used to drive her completely bonkers. You know, the cat was teasing her, you know, <laughs> mm. and, he, and she gets super stressed out. But no, much to my horror. It was a tiny black and white kitten pushing his way through the neighbour's trellis, pushing through, pushing through. There was Molly with her big head staring at him and he didn't care. Her <laughs> hackles were up. I just thought, I can't believe this. So basically I got her collar and I just went, shoo, you know, go away, go home, you know, disappear. What are you doing? Anyway, this little kitten was like, you I'm coming in, I'm coming in. And then he landed through the trellis and just sat in front of me and Mole and then he just gave her a, a, a quick you know shiner basically and moles was just like indignant she couldn't believe it she was in shock and that was the beginning of their well it five years molly had left at that point and um, they were inseparable and became the odd couple basically the best of friends that's really lovely
1: and it's very special i think when a cat chooses you uh, and your household to come and live with and it is something that cats do especially if they're not so happy in their first home and and they find it a bit stressful for one reason or another they they have if they have outdoors access they have this opportunity to go and see
0: what else is out there (laughs) well well yes and that's I know and then yeah gosh so many so you know but this but Molly hated cats you know Mm. she was nine already and the cat next door really hadn't helped you know I had to to stop the cat from teasing moles. one time I had to use the hose I didn't spray the cat but near the cat, you know I got this and it bolted mm. back indoors and then every time it was doing this this happened almost every day I just have to pick up the hose pipe you know no water <laughs> coming out and just point it at the cat and the cat would go no and then fly back indoors and I'd be going ha ha, ha you know but just to you know let Molly have her garden without being tormented so you know my experience of cats have been so so limited. And anyway, long story short, Gremlin was going to go to Battersea several times, but he obviously didn't. But honestly, thinking about this podcast episode today, the stories I have got about Gremlin, um, because he's always been an outdoor cat. And I know a big section of Purr is about this big debate, isn't it, Zazie? Indoor or outdoor? <laughs> yes.
1: And it is a big debate. And also there are big cultural differences. And my own perspective is something that's changed over the years, because when I lived in England, I would have thought, well, I did used to think that it would be cruel to keep a cat indoors only. And now here I am am in Maple Ridge, just outside of Vancouver in BC. And through my yard, I get bears and coyotes and cougars and i just don't think it's safe to let my cats outdoors and i think it's much harder when you have an indoors only cat to give them things to keep them occupied and interested and obviously the cat has no way to escape they couldn't be like gremlin and go find somewhere else to live if they wanted to but it's much safer for my cats to be indoors and it's a decision that a lot of people make here and so i think everyone has to make the right decision based on where they live and what's best for their cat because some cats okay indoors. My cat Harley, when we adopted him, we were told that he had never been outdoors before. So, you know, I think for a cat like that, it it would be quite hard for him to learn how to go outdoors, never mind without the coyotes and so on. Um, And some cats, on the other hand, are really very used to going outdoors and much prefer to have the opportunity to go outdoors. So if you have, um, if you're lucky enough to live somewhere where you can give them that autonomy, then I think that's better for them at least during the daytime but yeah so it's a it's a big big debate and some people have very very strong feelings on it either way and I think it depends very much on on where you live and if there are busy roads and if you have a yard a garden uh, or not
0: and so on. No I, I agree yeah where we originally lived when Gremlin moved in I reckon he would have been run over if we hadn't moved from there and the thing was though we moved from there to a village in a shire that garden kind of went down onto allotments, if you get the picture, mm-hmm. and then onto like masses of fields, okay. And Gremlin was only about two or three, probably three. And the first time I saw him scale my fence with a creature that I couldn't really see from upstairs what it was, but I ran downstairs, quickly shut the patio door, and he he, he landed on the patio with a whole adult <laughs> don't don't cringe really our listeners are probably going to go but it's leading on to a big subject a whole wild rabbit that he'd <laughs> um brought from the fields which weren't that near and the rabbit was bigger than he was pretty much And then it was before everyone was filming everything they did, you know, And because I wish I'd filmed it, really. He ate all of it, apart from one back leg. I know. He just seemed to have to go and do it. It was like the call of the wild hit him, you know, because he'd been in London and then, you know, in Hackney. And then we're in the middle of Buckinghamshire. And I'll tell you one thing. The wildlife in Buckinghamshire breathed a huge sigh of relief when we moved back to Hackney. <laughs> Sassy, <laughs> but a lot I of bad. <laughs> um, Oh no, everything—more hens, snakes. Well, well, we have grass snakes, uh, ducks. I can't tell you. And baby bunny season gremlin loved it we only had two bunny seasons baby bunny seasons but one time i got in and there i am i'm on the loo and then suddenly the bath starts jumping and i'm like what what and there were four baby bunnies that gremlin had brought from the fields honestly all the way in into my bathroom and deposited them in the bath i don't know what for maybe for later or something so then the rest of my day was spent trying to herd these baby bunnies up take them in a carrier back down to the field and i let them go but they probably would have died because oh i don't know and so honestly there you go um so gremlin by name gremlin by nature but a lot of people have issues don't they you know because cats do kill a lot of wildlife especially gremlin gremlin obviously
1: (laughs) is a very proficient hunter there's actually been some really interesting research recently from the university of exeter that's been looking at cats hunting behavior and which i mentioned briefly in the book which is Well, one of their findings is that if cats are fed uh, high quality, high protein cat food and if they have more playtime with the one toy, then actually they are less likely to be catching and bringing creatures back. And so I think that's really interesting for people and also for people who want to protect birds. There's something called a birds be safe collar, which is like a a bib that they wear around their neck and it's really brightly coloured. And because birds can spot those bright colors, it means that they can see the cat coming and they can get away from the cat. But overall, I mean, the RSPCA says that cats overall don't actually have any big effect on the bird population in the UK which I think is good to know Um, and here where I live the stories obviously not so much of my cats catching things except spiders or whatever that we have in the house but they still have interactions with wildlife even though they're indoors and one of the stories I tell in the book is of when a black bear came into our back garden And I was in the bedroom. I think I was in the middle of making the bed. And Melina was with me. And we both saw this bear in the back garden. And we watched it. And it went down the side of the house. So we ran to the other room at the front of the house. um, And it kind of moseyed around the neighbor's car. And it was probably checking if the neighbors had any food in their car. Because bears can break into cars to get it. And then it came back into our garden. And it went up in front of the house. And I have never seen Melina so... While she was really Buzzed and she was growling and growling and growling at this bear. I've never heard her make such a loud noise before. She was she's a tiny tiny cat, and she was making this huge noise and all her hairs were standing on end and she was at the window. and I've, I mean the bear probably heard, but the bear didn't care <laughs> at all. And the bear took quite a while to to kind of mosey on by. and eventually my dog Bodger spotted that there was a bear and barked, and then it sort of moved on a little bit faster. It didn't exactly run away. And well, then it took Melina like two hours to calm down afterwards. She was so terrified, um, but she had also been so brave, I think, to be out the window growling
0: at it, telling it to go away. Yes, you know, it's like instinct, isn't it? But, um, gosh, a black bear, you know, it puts <laughs> our London foxes, you know, in a whole different category, doesn't it, really? And I think if I lived in B.C., I'd be keeping Gremlin indoors or he'd get into far too much trouble, <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah well I mean it, it it's a different kind of wildlife and he wouldn't be used to it maybe I mean some people do have their cats outdoors
0: um but uh, anyway sometimes it doesn't work out very well unfortunately no 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 I can imagine no but you know in these days I mean in the book you really talk about enrichment for cats which is where I was thinking you know gosh Gremlin, he does have toys, sazzy, of course, but not that many. I'm now conscious of stocking up more for Gremlin to perhaps be a bit less outdoors and more indoors, um, being as he's 12. What do you think?
1: Well, you know, the other thing is that some cats like to specialise in a certain kind of prey. And from what you've told me at Grem- about Gremlin, he obviously is proficient at all kinds of prey. And I think that means that his, he would like toys that represent different types of prey. So I think for cats to have a variety of toys, um, including like things with feathers to be kind of like a bird and so obviously things like a mouse, but also big toys like something... Maybe not quite the size of a rabbit, but big enough that they can kick at it with their back legs, that kind of thing. Um, You also can get toys like snakes. So he might like a snake type toy too. So you can have a variety of toys. And the other thing is to rotate them because cats get bored quite easily. So if a toy's been out for a while, they can get bored of it and you can't keep on buying new toys all the time. So it's a good idea to put some of them away for a bit and then every week or something, bring out a new set of toys and just keep swapping them around because when they come out again, then it's like they're new again and the cat will be interested in them again. And then the other thing that's really good for cats is actually for us to make time to play with an interactive toy, like a a wand toy, or you might call it a fishing rod toy, um, where you're moving you have to move move it as if it's prey and I think sometimes people get bored if they're not managing to get their cat leaping all over the place at it it is a skill to learn to to you know to keep your cat engaged for a long period of time but it's also a really fun thing to do with your cat and and it's a good way to provide more enrichment for them and there is some research that shows that the longer people play with the one toy with their or fishing rod toy with their cat every day, the less likely the cat is to have behavior issues. And I think it's because it gives the cat something to do and because play helps to satisfy that predatory instinct in cats.
0: Yeah, definitely. Well, the other evening, actually, Gremlin seemed a bit out of sorts. So um, we've got a snake on a pole, and it's a Kong toy, and mm. I, I I do like that brand. I always think, you know, and there's mm. feathers on the end of it. So, and that kind of cheered him up. And then he's he he quite likes some of the dog toys actually. So I'll use some of their rope toys, and mm. he'll grab them and bite them as well. And you know, and I'll throw things, and he I haven't taught him to retrieve I admire we'll go into training tricks now but I do admire people that um, train their cats to play fetch Sassy. Yes, um, but
1: some cats like to fetch anyway. Like when I was much younger, we had a cat who would occasionally fetch things from other people's washing lines, which was a little bit embarrassing. <laughs> oh, no way. So, <laughs> there are some cats to whom fetch comes quite naturally, but most cats have to be taught. And it is quite a fun thing to teach your cat. And it's also if your cat is indoors only, again, it can be a good way to give them some exercise because they have to go chasing
0: after the toy to bring it back. Absolutely. Yeah, indeed. I have trained, because a lot of people say, well, you can't train a cat. So I spend what the book demystifies is that, of course, you can train a cat. of
1: course yes absolutely and i think it's a really useful thing to know because so many people struggle to get their cat to the vet and it starts with even trying to get your cat in their cat basket and if you train them to go in their cat basket it makes such a big big difference and there's research that shows that it makes the vet appointment go better too the cat is less stressed even in the car on the way there and they're less stressed during the appointment and the vet can can do what they need to do much more easily. So it's a really helpful thing to do. And there's actually a plan to train your cat to go in their cat carrier at the back of the book. And it's a plan that you can work through at the cat's pace. So obviously, it's much, much easier if you've got a kitten and you're teaching a kitten. But even if you have an older cat who is already terrified of their basket, you can still train them. It's just that it's going to take longer to teach them to go in their cat basket.
0: Yes and train them to wait in a in a specific spot perhaps for their dinner and train them you know not to jump. Well Gremlin learnt the hard way so I used to have a kettle that you know the ones we have got gas and you you mm. know the old-fashioned type kettle so I put the kettle on and run into the other room and I came back in and I thought god smells are burning and I realised Gremlin had jumped up to the flickering flame and <laughs> scorched his paw but trust me he never did it again so that was one of our main mishaps because I'd never had a cat before so it didn't even occur to me you know I just put the kettle on um, mm. and didn't think oh that's going to ignite Gremlin's prey drive but it did so yes a very bad owner but you know he was fine no harm really came to Gremlin and you know, he learned to lesson, which isn't good at all so it's totally negative <laughs> punishment which I don't believe in at all but it was very funny though you know he 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 mimics and and somebody told me ages ago that cats do mimic what do you think about that Zazie?
1: Well we do think that one of the ways that kittens learn to hunt their prey is from copying the mother cat and she will actually bring kind of half dead prey to her kittens and let it loose and if they're not doing a good job of catching it she will start kind of showing them what to do so that does suggest that they can learn something from copying but and in fact there is one case in the literature of a cat that's been taught do as I do um, which is something that's come from dog training uh, where people have train their dogs to do as I do and it means do the thing that I just did whether it's sit down or jump up or turn around or whatever and there is one person apparently who has taught their cat this command so that's very interesting and I mean I think from a cognitive perspective in terms of what's going on in the cat's brain and what they're learning it's something we need more research on but certainly it's a very
0: interesting topic. Why do you think there's been less research into cats? You know, because with dogs, it's almost like overload. It seems we're absolutely fascinated by this bond that is the human to dog bond, and that we have to try and unravel what it is, why they totally break our hearts, why they're so intuitive, their loyalty, all of these things. But it seems scientists have kind of thought, no, well, we'll leave cats until tomorrow.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and I think it's probably a mix of things. But I think one of them is that it's just difficult to study cats. Like you can bring dogs into your lab at the university to take part in studies. And it's much, much more difficult to do that with cats because they're not used to going places apart from the vet, which they hate. Um, So If you really want to study cats, it's better to go into the cat's home and do your experiment in the cat's home. And even then, some cats aren't so used to people coming around to the house. So if they're going to be stressed, then they're not going to behave in their normal way. So I think it's a bit more difficult. But also, I'm not quite sure why dogs have been given this special treatment. But I think also, I mean, maybe some of it even comes down to stereotypes about cats, because there are some negative stereotypes about cats, unfortunately, which probably have made people a bit less interested. But the thing is, there is such interesting work going on now. And I think it is really interesting. So hopefully, we're going to continue to see a lot more research on feline science and Um, And to see that get funding and be done because it's
0: it's fascinating. You look at the Egyptians, you know, cats have been close to humans for centuries and the Egyptians adored them. They were gods, weren't they? You know, and um, really revered. And you can see why, because. There is something very sixth sense about cats. I mean, it's something I've discussed before that often if Gremlin is out and, you know, I do panic and he will come back when I uh, flap the cat flap, you know, it's like my, Mm. um, I call it like my Indian warrior thing, you know, I I flap it 10 times and that's it. That means Gremlin right, come in now. And there's sometimes when he doesn't, and I'm kind of quite upset about this I'll be gremlin no god god please don't die look please come home and I but I really mean it and then suddenly he's in and it's um you know telepathic communication which I talked about in episode one and lots of cat owners apparently do think for their cats, the intention is for you to come home, and I know Zazie's now kind of rolling her eyes. I'm sure over in Vancouver, going, "I know you've gone over the mark." I don't believe this, but um, I do do it, and it really works, Zazie. You know, good. Well, I'm glad he always comes home. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and that moving the cat flap has somehow
1: become his recall signal to come home. But you know, it's funny, and we went through this phase where harley would suddenly disappear and he can't get out so we would search the whole house for him and not find him and then all of a sudden he would be right there in the dining room looking at us like what are you on about why couldn't you find me and we had no idea where he was hidden and finally i think i found where he hides and it's it it's a bit obvious really he is in his cat basket and we've looked in his cat basket and not seen him but it's because he's been right at the very back of it so if you just kind of glance at it you think he's not in there and he's really far back so you don't see him so eventually
0: we found that but it took us like years to find his hiding place. <laughs> That's so funny but hiding places are really important and you do talk about that in the book.
1: Yes, cats like to have spaces where they can feel safe. And a cat's natural response to something stressful is really to run and hide. They would much rather run and hide than have to face the stressful thing. And that's because cats are not just predators, they also prey animals, as I kind of mentioned earlier. So um, they need to be able to hide. And it's really easy to give them nice, safe spaces because it can be as simple as giving them a cardboard box um, and we all know that cats love cardboard boxes, but there are all kinds of spaces and uh, they will usually will find their own favorites. Like one of Molina's favorites is underneath my ironing pile where I put my clothes for that I'm waiting to be ironed. She likes to burrow into there and hide under there and it's nice and warm for her. So the best kind of safe spaces or hiding spaces for cats are gonna be just the right size for the cat, not any bigger. Uh, And also they like to be high up, so it could potentially be somewhere where they can be high up and even perch. And I think a a cat thinks they're hidden if their head is hidden. They they don't seem to care if their tail is sticking out or something like that. Um, And if you have multiple cats in the home, then each cat needs to have their own space where they can be on their own. They shouldn't have to share all of the spaces. They have to have their own safe spaces in the same way that they need their own other resources, like their own food bowl and their own litter, litter tray and so on.
0: Yeah. And that sort of mirrors their independent streak that they're known for and and this debate as to whether they are social creatures or not.
1: Yeah, because a lot of people think cats aren't social and then a lot of other people think they are. And it's one of the things that they really vary as a species and it's going to depend very much on their early experiences as kittens, whether they were around other cats at all when they were you know, very tiny, whether they see their mum being friendly to other cats when they're kittens, because some cats would really much rather be the only cat in the home and other cats can be quite friendly to each other. And so that means because you don't know if you just have the one cat, you probably don't know whether it's a good idea to bring another cat home or not. So if you think you might want two cats or even three cats, it can be a good idea to get them together. So to get two kittens together is always a good idea to get two kittens rather than just one. But if you're adopting an adult cat to get two adult cats, or sometimes you even get three adult cats that are, already bonded together and then you know that they get on with each other and that's a much better way to have multiple cats in your home rather than to get them separately which risks them not
0: liking each other or just tolerating each other but still not actually enjoying each other's company. Yeah which can obviously make them a bit stressed out but it's so important isn't it something I I know I've done here is to make sure cats can get out of the way get up you know particularly because I live with two dogs as well so Gremlin does need spaces where he can jump up onto a table you know in the garden I've got tables and chairs and whatever and the shed roof that he can get up if Prudence for example decides to charge out and just be an idiot Prudence my miniature bull terrier, and be an idiot for a moment you know Gremlin's got various areas he can just go whoop and jump out of the way
1: (laughs) that's wonderful and you're right that's so important especially when you have dogs in the home because the cat needs to be able to feel safe and even with dogs that are very safe around cats, the cat is still going to need to be able to get away sometimes and high up spaces where the dog can't go is really helpful for them and you can get Nice tall cat trees, but you can also use bookshelves and as you say tables, and you can also make little spaces low down too, sometimes that are tiny where the cat can go but the dog doesn't fit like just pulling a sofa out from a wall by an inch or something just to make it just enough space for a cat to sneak behind um, or like if you pull your dining chair out just a little bit from the table, then there's space there for the cat to get. And then it depends on the size of the dog, because obviously some dogs could reach that still. But if you have a little dog, like I have a little senior Shih tzu and he can't reach up there. So that's a nice safe space for my cats to go if they want to get away from him.
0: Yes, but talking of dogs and cats, because it's that age-old thing, isn't it? <laughs> cats versus dogs. There was that film, wasn't there? Was it a Disney film? Oh, I went to the opening, oh, it was called Cats and Dogs or something anyway, you know, it was quite typical. The The cat was the baddie, some funny-looking tabby cat, you know, and then you've always got, you know, the James Bond cat as well. So you're, li- you're right with this stereotyping of cats. Cats and witches and cats have got that evil side to them haven't they Um, which is wrong of course yeah but cats and dogs i mean can it work out i mean when should someone integrate a kitten um or, or should it only be a kitten that you integrate with an adult dog or should it be the other way around only bring a puppy in with an adult cat it's
1: something that actually we haven't had as much research into as you would think, given how many people have both dogs and cats in the same home. But it seems that it works best if both the cat as a kit when they were a kitten, had experiences with dogs that were positive, good experiences, and the dog as a puppy had experiences with Uh, cats that were positive and that's because when animals are young they have this sensitive period for socialization which for kittens is only between two and seven weeks Um, so it's a really short period of time whereas for puppies it's between three and about 12 to 14 weeks so if they've had good early experiences that really helps and the other thing that seems to help actually is to have the cat in the home first And it seems that the most important aspect of the relationship is that the cat is the one who needs to feel comfortable. And that's probably because the cat is actually the one who is at the most risk, really, if anything goes wrong. Um, But some cats will never learn to like having a dog in the home. It really depends a lot on the individual cat because they vary such a lot. But if they've had positive early experiences, that helps. And if you get the cat first, that helps. And then if you bring in a puppy, then the puppy is getting used to them from you know right from the beginning that's that's going to help it work out too now with us of course um, I have these two cats they're 12 and 13 now and we used to have two big dogs and we kind of got all of them at around the same time so once the dogs have past um, because we knew that Harley and Melina had been good they had actually been really good friends with Bodger my Australian shepherd and Melina in particular seemed to really miss him when she when he passed she kept going to his bed like to sniff his bed and, and she seemed to be looking around the house like where was he Um, So when we got another dog, we knew that so long as the dog was good with cats, they were quite likely to accept him. So but this was during the pandemic that we got him. And, you know, there was a time when everybody seemed to be rushing out and getting a pet. So it took quite a while for us to find a dog who we knew for sure was going to be good with cats. Um, And that's when we went and we got he's called Pepper, a little senior shih tzu. And he is very, very good with them. Actually, he's not terribly interested in them. So he just lets them do whatever they want to do.
0: That's kind of ideal, isn't it, really, for them <laughs> not to really be interested? That's perfect.
1: Yes, I, I think that's perfect, and that's absolutely good enough, whereas I think most people want them to always be cuddled up together. Um, and, yes, that would be nice in an ideal world, but so long as they're cooperative and happy and not objecting to each other's presence, they don't have to cuddle up together as well. They just have to get on with each other, and that's that's fine. And, and uh, Pepper does get on well with both Harley and Melina, so that's good.
0: The American 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 Yes, yes. Um, No, I know about the grieving thing. I mean, Gremlin was so uh, devastated when uh, Molly passed. You know, she passed peacefully at home. And so, dear, we're getting a bit sad. Her body Mm. was there. And you know how cats do the the clawing, you know, which is featured in the book. Something that cats have to do that's kind of, you know, showing that they're comfortable. It's uh, a de-stressing behaviour, isn't it? When they do Mm. their clawing and they, you know, claw at a carpet. And just rhythmically yeah, scratching. Start. And that's it. So yeah, he did that all over her body and terribly out of sorts. I think when Prudence arrived, he had a bit of a shock, shall we say. But I tell you what, he 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 took he took on board some of the dog training on Prudence, you know. <laughs> um quite so I know Prudence learnt to respect the claw early on, which she had to do to be honest with you. So uh because Gremlin's quite big. Well, he's he's probably about seven kilos now but he's been eight kilos, but that's the age thing, isn't it? And I'm terribly worried about this because he's 12, yes. Mm, mm. And um, there is that chapter in your book that says, you know, if you're not ready to read this chapter, please... <laughs> flick through, don't don't read it, and come back to it later. Zazzy, isn't it? Because it's yeah, the there attachment is. you get with cats. I can't believe I'm so attached to Gremlin. I did actually once say, "Why get a cat when you can have a dog?" Because you can take a dog with you everywhere, whereas you can't with a cat. So, and now, honestly, I totally regret saying that because it's wrong. And yeah, yeah. So it's that dreadful, dreadful thing.
1: Yeah, and I think people who haven't had a cat sometimes underestimate the strengths of the feelings that you can develop for a cat over time and because they become part of your family too. And I think thinking about them getting old is quite hard. And my own cats now, they're, obviously they're getting older, they're 12 and 13. And Harley has a few medical conditions which are they're well-controlled, we have a good vet. He has diabetes, for example. So he's had to learn to have two insulin injections a day Um, and he is overweight and we try very hard to keep his weight down but he gets very upset if he doesn't have as much food as he thinks he needs Um, so it's a challenge Um, and I think it's very difficult thinking about those moments some people do become very very bonded with their cat and very close with their cat so there is a chapter in the book about thinking about the end of a cat's life and it's something to read when you don't have to actually think about it in real life. I think it's something to read a long time in advance and then hopefully you'll have lots of useful information. And obviously, if it's something that's too difficult or stressful at the time, you can completely skip that chapter of the book and get to the next one because the end chapter kind of summarises all the positive things that you can do for your cat and it also goes into a checklist for a happy cat with lots of different things that you can do. So I think the book itself ends on a happy note, but it was important to talk about those things because people don't talk about it enough and people therefore are really not
0: prepared for when it happens. I know, I know. Just changing the subject slightly, how much research has there been done on a cat's purr Zazie? Because this is something I've looked into a bit and, and it's like this mutual healing of the, the cat's purr and the fact that, you know, they say cats have nine lives. I can sort of vouch for that with Gremlin. I mean he's never had anything like a broken leg and touch wood. He's never been hit by a car or anything like that but he came in once it was extraordinary. Literally he was Fine at half past six in the morning, and at seven o'clock I was about to dive in the bath, and he just came in through the window, and he was just sitting there. I was doing something; I didn't really look at him. It was like, oh, there's Gremlin, and then I looked again, and I went, Gremlin, no, and he had a hole in his throat, zazzy oh, no. uh, and blood pouring down his white chest. I'm like, oh my god. So basically, you know when cortisol really kicks in it was like right mm. don't freak out because what you have to do right now is get him in that cat carrier because at 9 a.m we are going to be at the vets because they don't open till nine so mm. I got him in the cat carrier of towels I bandaged it you know I got vet wrap cotton wool I put antiseptic on and so I was trying to stop the bleeding because that's what you have to do you know punch a wound stop the bleeding it was it was his throat don't and the vet couldn't work out he said it's it's not another animal because The cat's chin would have been in the way and he would have taken a whack, which he often has. He's been in a lot of punch-ups, whether it was man-made or whatever. I just didn't even want to think about that too much. Anyway, he was fine. But purring is said to be a cat's mechanism to heal themselves. I don't know what, what you think about that, the actual purring vibration
1: yeah that's right that's and that's I think that's really interesting and I'm so sorry Gremlin had that terrible experience oh, but Dad, he's okay but yeah so when a cat is in a stressful situation and they're not very well they will purr and a lot of people think that purr only means the cat is happy but it does seem to be something that will help to soothe them and potentially maybe even help to make them feel better when they're not well or something is wrong with them. So, but it's something that we need more research on. And I would love to see um, more, more research on everything to do with cats, but especially to do with the the sounds they make, the purrs, the meows and the chirrups, because what we do know already is is so interesting. And some of the sounds that cats make, there's a different kind of purr that is like it's called a solicitation purr so maybe the purr that you get when you're about to feed the cat and it's it has a different pitch to it it's and people talk about the cry embedded within the purr which is is kind of something of the same pitch of a baby's cry which is because they're asking for food as far as we know and again it's something that we need more research into but there are these different purrs as well as just like there are different meows and chirrups and I love all the noises that cats make. And I think there's nothing nicer than sitting with a purring cat on your lap. And so many people think that it's just this happy, positive sound, but it does seem that it helps to heal them as well. So, yeah, that's a really good point to know that if if a cat is sitting purring, especially if they're sitting looking unhappy and purring, it may it may actually mean that they need to see the vet because they're not doing so well.
0: Mm, interesting, Zazie, Gosh, I mean, we've we've so <laughs> chatted here. I I just love love this book. I and mean, there's terminology in here that I'd not heard of before, and I just pray that I've given Gremlin a good life, I think so I mean he's he's always been very loyal and you know when I've been away there was one moment where I'd been up um, actually to a pet show up in Harrogate and we were driving down and my neighbour had been looking after Gremlin and giving him his food and he'd been eating it so you know no other cat could come in because you know, I had one of those magnet collars on Gremlin then, so Laura my friend said oh don't worry you know Gremlin's been eating I haven't seen him Anna, he's been out and about so I was driving back down you know, thinking, Gremlin, we're on our way home now, we're on our way home. So I'd parked up, literally put my wheelie bag bush onto the onto the pavement, and moles was with me at the time, my first Bull Terrier. And suddenly I heard this, wow like this, and I thought, Oh God, that can't be Gremlin. Shut the boot, turn round, there's Gremlin galloping, and they're so funny when they canter, aren't they, cats? They're (laughs) they're quite awkward, you know, they're sort of (laughs) funny with their gallops, and he was galloping In fact, here he is. Here he is now. Hello. Gremlin, we're talking about you. And there he was galloping up the pavement to greet us. And then we had to walk down the pavement with people just, you know. And then all this went on in the village. I mean, once Gremlin came to the pub with me and Molly, he'd follow. He'd be like patrolling us the whole time. I mean what's that all about
1: that's really lovely I think Uh, (laughs) also lovely yeah lovely to get such a nice welcome home too but also nice that he likes to take a little walk with you and some cats like to do that so that I think that's very sweet and I'm sure you've given him your and are giving him a very happy life he sounds like a wonderful wonderful cat Um, and I think it's always very special when a cat chooses
0: you that's very nice indeed Well, thank you for saying that, Zazie. I totally adore him, as you can tell. And many people say that uh, Gremlin is the uh, sanest member of our household. (laughs) 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 But um, Zazie, I'd love to catch up again. And I wish you all the best with Holly and Melina. Thank you. Thank you very much. And thank you for chatting
1: with me. It's been a real pleasure to come and talk with you again. And it's lovely to hear all the
0: stories about your pets and to hear just how much you love all of them. It's just wonderful. Now the book's called Pearl, let's get down to business. And it's available everywhere you can get a book.
1: That's right. It's available from all good bookstores and it's in a print, ebook and audiobook format as well.
0: And I really, really recommend it, really, really, to have a deeper understanding of your cat. Please get this book. And thank you again, Zazie, thank you. Oh, thank you very much. It's been a real pleasure to chat with you. That's our show, Mr. Binks. what did you think? Yes, I know it was mainly about cats, but that's because the book is about making your cat happy what's that yes you're right it is time for Woof of the week well the science is in cats and dogs don't always need to fight like cats and dogs and i hope you all enjoyed it if you did please rate and review the show wherever you tune into your podcasts thanks again to zazie todd and all the links to purr are in our show notes Thanks, of course, to Mike Hansen, my producer. Find out more about him and his company at Pod People UK. And for me, I'm at Anna Webb Dogs. What's that, Mr Binks? Yes, you're right. We will be in your feed next Sunday. So why don't you subscribe now? It's free. And that way you'll never miss another show. Bye for now.